Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Welcome to another episode of Security in Color. If this is your first time tuning in, what's up? My name is Dominique, and Security in Color is a podcast exploring the latest in cybersecurity news and popular industry topics. Now, if this isn't your first time listening, what's up? Thanks for tuning in once again. Now, as you can tell from the title of today's episode, today's topic is all about cybersecurity jobs. Last month, October, was Cybersecurity Awareness Month. But did you know that this week, like the week of November 9th, which is the record, the day that, not the day, but like (laughs) the week that the recording drops, it is National Cybersecurity Career Awareness Week. Now, it's okay if you didn't know, because I didn't either. (laughs) But once I found out about it, I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity to you know, share with my podcast listeners some extra information, especially because I know many of you are probably trying to navigate your way through your own cybersecurity career. I know I am, so it's always useful to talk about how people do things in the industry, how they get things started, and how you can be successful. So National Cybersecurity, I'm about to say Awareness Month, (laughs) National Cybersecurity Career Awareness Week everything is a mouthful. Like we have to figure out a way to like shorten these things. I know we're trying to like be informative in our titles, but they're too long. Like it's, it's a lot. So anyway, National Cybersecurity Career Awareness Week is a week long campaign to call attention to the contributions to society and innovations that cybersecurity practitioners make. It's a time to build awareness about the wide range of cybersecurity job opportunities, how cybersecurity plays a vital role in our lives, and how building a national cybersecurity workforce enhances national security and promotes economic prosperity. Now, the goal of this initiative is to inspire, engage, and inform the public about the demand, opportunities, multiple career options within the field. It's about demystifying careers in cybersecurity because trust me when I say a lot of people are confused about a lot of things, but it's easy to get, this is a complex field. And then lastly, we wanna dive into developing how a highly skilled and diverse workforce by supporting, you know, successful programs, showcasing effective resources, like all of the great people out there who are just doing the thing in the field to like share and uplift the next generation all of that good stuff. So today's episode is aimed at propelling these goals. So today I will, one, share some jobs in the cybersecurity industry, some that are in high demand, some maybe you don't know that exists, um, but could be useful in pivoting into the industry. And this will also include like the kinds of skill sets, each of the roles required, so you know what you should study for, like all that good stuff. And then secondly, I will be sharing some common steps and pathways that people in the industry have taken to get into cybersecurity. I'll also share my story, which I think I did like in the first episode, but I know we have a ton of new listeners, so I definitely have no problem kind of sharing what I have done and continue to do, right? Because I am a cybersecurity professional and I'm trying to continue. I haven't reached what I consider my peak, so (laughs) I can tell you what I'm continuously doing. 
Um, and recently I had like, a, I don't even know what to call it, like an open forum, an open chat room. I don't know. There's this new social media app. Don't ask. People are bored. I'm bored. And basically you can host, it's called Clubhouse and you can host like different rooms to speak to. It's like an audio Slack version of a social media app. I don't know. But anyway, I had one last Friday and it was just a check-in for people in the cybersecurity community to ask, you know, what are some issues they had? And many of them said they were just trying to figure out like how to get started, what path to take, what can they do? And my second section will include things like certifications, the way you can chain some roles together to pivot to others. But again, it will mainly be from my experience and then I'll share some resources that'll help you with like other people's experience. And then lastly, I will share some of the super cool resources and organizations out there that are aimed at uplifting and supporting people in the cybersecurity community, especially for women, people of color, veterans, and other underserved communities. My hope is that this information in this episode will help someone really understand how to create their own game plan, create their own blueprint, because trust me, there is not one out there and you know, that's sometimes the complexity of getting into this field is because there is no direct path into anything because it is so broad and so vast and there's so many things and so many ways you can enter. Um, hopefully that this will, you know, you could take some tips and work it into your own career. But before we jump into today's episode, I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to our two newest Patreon members, which is Howard and John. Thank you so much. So, so much. I appreciate you for supporting this platform. You have no idea. Um, actually, upcoming. Um, so for those of you who might be listening for like who've been listening to my podcast for a while, you might have known that like CompTIA had a Cloud Plus beta exam. Um, long story short, I wasn't able to take it because there was technical difficulties. I had to fight them on the fact that I did not like violate terms their um i guess testing environment never started for me and it took forever like to get that disputed and then they wound up just giving me a free voucher and then when i was like no girl my i wanted to take like the beta the system kept saying well you already took it and i'm like no i didn't so like <laughs> going back and forth with them and then you know there was a deadline for how many, either when you could take the exam or how many they were accepting. It was a whole big hot mess. Trust me when I say I do not like the online testing environment. So I utilize the voucher. I'm going to take just the actual exam, the version that they have now out. Um, and then, you know, I guess everyone will see what happened with the next, um, uh, call it? the next exam when it comes out sometime next year. Um, but for me, it's really just seeing what the test was about in the first place and give it to other people. I'm already... It, it's, you know, there's not, it's a free voucher. I can get a free certification. So um, I have that coming up so I can tell everyone how that is going. But I plan on doing the next certification up, the next study group, I should say, that is up is going to be the AWS Architect, Solutions Architect one. Um, I'm going to do some live cloud demos. Um, like we're going to build an AWS environment and spin up some things install some things, break some things, figure some things out. Um, in addition to um, doing some actual studying, like I have the book and I'm going to go ahead and do some live study, um, 
I guess study demos. I don't know what to call them, but basically I just get on live and we go through the questions and I write some study notes and it's just a way for people to one, keep accountable. So like if you're studying for it, you have a way for you to be like, all right, at least I got one one hour a weekend with Dominique, even if I don't study on my own. But then two, it might be a way for people who just need someone to like help guide them and help figure them out and like ask questions for one another because I'm not perfect. So, you know, it's an opportunity for the community to learn together. Um, so I will be doing that. You should um, follow me on social media at Domibu, D-O-M-Y-B-O-O, because that's where I'll put everything um, like when it goes live. But I say that to say that all of the recorded demos and all that goes to my Patreon members because they are freaking awesome and they've been holding me down. So that's where I, that's where I put all my Cloud Plus stuff anyway. So I'm going to make a series of it. So I'm going to do AWS, then I'm going to do GCP, um, I know a lot of people are looking for CISSP, so I'm figuring out a way to put all of that together when I can get some sanity and some free time. <laughs> but anyway, let's jump into the rest of today's episode because I know you're wondering about cybersecurity jobs and all that good stuff. So let's dive in. Between rising cybersecurity activity and new digital laws and regulatory standards, the demand for skilled and knowledgeable cybersecurity professionals continue to rise. But unfortunately, as the number of professional roles increase, the complexity around how to get those jobs did as well. I don't know if you have, depending on how long you've been in the field or if you're in the field, I'm pretty sure you heard this thing going around about like the, I think the last time I heard the number is 3.5. I don't know how accurate that is anymore, but 3.5 million unfulfilled cybersecurity jobs, right? Now, I hate that narrative going around because there's so many factors that play into how many jobs are available and not, and then what types of jobs, what kind of roles, what skills, X, Y, Z. The pipeline for hiring is so broken. And I have no idea because I'm not in a position as of yet to like hire, but trust me when I get there, like I will do things differently because it's just so complicated right now. And I really can't pinpoint where the issue is. Like, who's messing up here. So anyway, I don't want to place blame on anyone, but I can understand how frustrated it can be to even get your foot in the door, right? We have all these unfulfilled jobs, but people are like, well, how do I get the job? And hiring managers are like, well, we need people, but you know, you got to have five years. And I'm like, girl, that's not how that works. Like, that's like, come on. But anyway, so what are some of the top cybersecurity job titles out there this year? And according to CompTIA, as you might know, is a leader in cybersecurity certifications. They're a neutral vendor neutral certification vendor. Here are what's considered the top 10 jobs for 2020. Now, mind you, this isn't inclusive. I didn't see cloud security or anything about cloud on here, but I do understand that cloud, I guess, in some aspect is falling under. No, it should still be on here, but I'll I'll say my opinion afterwards. <laughs> so the top 10 are a cybersecurity engineer, cybersecurity analyst, cybersecurity consultant, cybersecurity manager or slash administrator. I don't really, okay. Um, systems engineer, network engineer, architect, software developer, engineer slash engineer. Wait, <laughs> I can't even read. Number six is network engineer forward slash architect. 
then software developer forward slash engineer, vulnerability analyst, forward slash penetration tester, cybersecurity specialist, forward slash technician. Now, here's my issue with these forward slashes, right? How do you have a manager slash administrator? Like, I guess, because that can be different, right? A cybersecurity manager can be different. They could be a strategic person in comparison to an administrator who is the person who's really overseeing and implementing things, or they have a software developer slash engineer. So a lot of the time, so here's the confusion, right? Me even saying this top 10, which I hope didn't confuse you, but I can understand if it did because it just confused me. (laughs) But like even reading this top 10 list, right? If you have to do developer versus engineer and really understand what is being asked here, like when a lot of the hiring managers are writing these recs and they say, oh, we're looking for a software developer slash engineer or a pen tester or a technician. A lot of the times when they're asking for things, they'll put this list of like 20 skill sets. And it's like, really, what is it that you're asking for? Like, and now granted the hiring, the, not the hiring manager, the, um, Recruiter, right? They might not know because they not they might not be in the field. Their job is just to recruit, and they maybe don't understand how what anything works. But it's really up to the hiring manager to work with the recruiter to say, "Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is like give some context or some background in terms of what we're trying to fill." And then this is what I'm looking for in a candidate, and this is what the types of questions that you should be asking. And I wonder if you know, on a large scale, if that's happening, or if recruiters are just out there doing their own thing and coming up with their own very basic set of questions that they found on Google, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. But there is a really great resource that I'm gonna get into later that really dives deeper into this, um, because she's actually a recruiter and goes through this and she talks to other people who are in hiring positions. So I will link and reference that a little bit later. But trust me when I say I do understand that there are there's a huge gap in the pipeline between how many jobs are unfulfilled and then how they're actually trying to fulfill those jobs. So trust me, I get it. Now, the top states currently hiring for the roles that I just listed are California, Virginia, Texas, New York, and Florida. Unfortunately, I do not have any statistics outside of the United States because a lot of the reporting sources that I use, unfortunately, are geared towards the United States. Um, what I can do is come back because um, I know that like Europe and other countries have different weeks um, for cybersecurity. So if I can find a couple of those, I will definitely drop them in and see if I can find more information because I do know I have international listeners who are also trying to just prosper in the field. So if I can get that information, I will link it or reference it on one of my channels. So California, Virginia, Texas, New York, and Florida are some of the main ones. Um, They did have others, but they were definitely, those are the top, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Those were the top that were hiring the largest. So like California, if I saw, had like 59,000 job openings. I think Virginia had the next highest, which was around 29,000, and then so on and so forth going down from there. Now, the top skill set in demand is application security development, cloud security, risk management, threat intelligence, incident response, and compliance and data privacy. All things that are super important right now in the cybersecurity field as more companies 
um, are either under threat in terms of ransomware or are just grappling with the pandemic and having to figure out how to, you know, increase their cybersecurity posture. So a lot of these skills are definitely in dire need right now. So many of these job roles that I named before really overlap or they can be used to like build into another role. So for example, like a cybersecurity analyst position that can be pivoted into engineering because analyst position is really depending, right? This is, I'm, I'm generalizing here, not every role, but most cybersecurity analyst roles is really about investigation throughout incident response, um, maybe setting up some tooling, um, not necessarily in charge of the tooling, but it's really about investigation, monitoring, um, knowing about logging, um, doing investigations, doing some threat hunting, at least in the positions that I've been as an analyst. That is a lot of what my role entailed. And then once I got a good handling on that and on the different cybersecurity tools, I was able to pivot into an engineering role, which got me a little bit more technical and gave me a little bit more responsibility in terms of owning maybe the tooling. Whereas an engineer, then from an engineer, I pivoted into a consulting role um, because I got, um, I did engineering for a good number of years where I did in both internal and external, um, working with different customers or working internally, working with a whole bunch of different tooling and getting that broad experience and knowledge, which helped me um, be successful in a consulting role, which really calls for a lot of um, broad general knowledge, at least if you're working for like one of the big firms. Um, just because the types of engagement, there's so many different types of engagements that you could be on where having that broad knowledge really came into handy for me specifically. But there are also consulting roles that are pretty niche where it's like, hey, we need specifically an application, um, a web application like developer, or we need specifically a pen tester consulting, like whatever the case may be. But, you know, you can chain a lot of these roles or build on top of these roles to get to where you want to get. And I say this as a person who successfully have done this. Like I said, I like I'm naming this as an example because I am the example. <laughs> like this is what I do. Um, and now I won't go too deep into like salary wise because I do believe that is a bit dangerous narrative. Because again, so many factors play into a role. And telling someone that they are guaranteed to make six figures on their first job is setting someone up for what I consider unrealistic failure especially in the entry to mid-level job roles that are around like analysts, you're not going to be making that much money. That's not to say you can't, right? There's plenty of jobs. There's there's definitely opportunities where you can, but majority of the time, especially if you're not in a big city, it's hard. It's it's harder <laughs> to, to, to get that, right? And now I understand that in a pandemic, there's a lot of roles that are remote right now, but I'm wondering for the long term how like how companies are going to grapple with that because as a cybersecurity, when you're on a team, it really does help to be next to each other, especially if something goes down. Because if you need to contact someone, if you need someone to stop something, if you just need to communicate, it's easier to do that when you're all together in one place rather than if you have to do it from your home or over Zoom, that just can get really difficult. And again, time is money when it comes to an, an investigation or a breach. So yeah, it, it it definitely, we'll see what happens going forward in terms of the remote jobs. But for the most part, um, it really depends on where you live. The bigger cities are the ones who's going to pay you the most. But 
Nevertheless, the average salary for these roles range from 96 to 99,000 for an analyst. Engineering roles are about 103 to 112 for consulting and architecting. But again, please keep in mind that these highest salaries are sometimes due to the roles being in a high cost of living. So like California, New York City, those are high cost of living places and they need to hopefully pay you enough so that way you can sustain yourself. So um, always make sure you're doing all of your research, asking all your questions before you're like, hey, I want to be this role because it's paying me a lot of money. And then you find out it's not. Now that we touched up on the types of roles and skills in demand, what are some of the ways that people can get into the industry? Now, I can't speak for everyone. I highly encourage you to seek out the plenty of videos and podcasts out there, such as the Day in the Life series that's hosted by Women's Society of Cyber Jutsu, or there is Breaking in Cyber Podcast, which is super awesome by Renee that I was on recently. And she demystifies a lot of cybersecurity roles and she interviews um, both of them actually interview a wide variety of individuals, you know, to ask them just how they were able to get into the position that they're in. So the most common tip that you will hear to get started in the field will be to get your CompTIA triad certifications. Now, CompTIA, the one I mentioned earlier, is a vendor-neutral certification that certifies individuals in the basics of information technology. They have the A+, Network+, and Security+, certifications that form like this sort of foundational triad for people to get started in tech roles. And as I was coming up in the career, that's all I heard. That's all I was advised to do. So I went and got my A plus and then my security plus exam, I mean, certification. I attempted network plus, but I failed it. <laughs> like that one was not my forte. But after realizing that, you know, again, network wasn't going to be my focus. I wanted to do security. I didn't take the test again, but I read the book and I made sure I understood the networking basics and then concentrated on security because really they all overlap one another. So like once you get your A plus and if you get network plus or if you just read network plus like security plus, a lot of it is covered in the security plus. So it will definitely like it's a foundational. That's why they call it the triad, but like they go into one another. So from there, um, I went on and knew my ultimate goal was going to be, I wanted to be a consultant. Like I knew from the get-go, I was like, are you going to be a consultant? I want to work for myself. I wanted to be out here doing my Olivia Pope thing, but in the cybersecurity cyber field. Um, so I went, but I knew I needed like a different set of, of skill sets in order to make me stand out as I was getting later on in my field, because right now I was just doing a lot of basic security things. So um, once I got, I had gotten my beginning certifications in while I was a help desk. Um, what was my title? Software. It wasn't software engineer. It was software something. Like we had finagled it because I had started off, I think, as a help desk technician. And then in order for me to get a raise, we had to change the title. And that, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things. It was a small museum. I love them to death. Shout out to the Ruben. But um because I was on a small team, my role had a number of hats. I was in charge of like troubleshooting, any software and hardware errors. I handled data backups. I set up network devices, 
social engineering cleanups. I did a little bit of everything and I knew that I wanted to step up my technical skill set. So engineering roles were my next step. That's where I was had my eye on. So I was looking up the different types of engineering roles that were out there. What skills did the rec were asking for? So like some were like, oh, you got to be good in Python. You know, do you have troubleshooting? Do you know how to work with Splunk? Was Splunk around back then? Yes, I think Splunk was around back then. I say that like I'm super old, but I'm not. <laughs> but um, I believe it's Splunk. Um, just a whole bunch of different kind of, of software. And I just took the time to practice that skill set until I knew I can secure my next job. Security Plus did help me at least talk to HR. And then I would, when I'm talking to the hiring manager, make sure I knew, like you can Google a lot of like basic questions um, in order to figure out like how to answer or know how to be successful in technical interviews. So I kept doing that and I continue to do that, honestly, as I predict progress <laughs> to my next role. Um, and to be very honest, the major pivoting or the major changing moment in my career um, is, or I should say that benefits me in my career is one, um, the fact that I had a broad set of knowledge, I wasn't niche in anything. I literally tried to learn as much as possible, at least enough to be able to talk to it and work for it. I mean, um, and know how to work it. And then I'll figure it out from there if they need me to be a little bit more niche, um, which is I, know, I just basically I know a lot about a lot of things and I'm not in depth about any particular thing. Up until recently, now I'm starting to be a little niche about, you know, cloud security and the different things that I'm in. But um, and then my second thing is getting my CISSP. Now, my CISSP was a more advanced one. It did take some time because, of course, you need the, the um, experience requirement in order to even um, apply for the certification. But I studied for the exam for a while, um, got the exam. And when I tell you that really opened the door, oh, I'm out here hitting things, that really opened the door um, to me getting my certification. Um, I hate that the fact that people, recruiters were only coming to me because I had it, right? Because they didn't know. I, like, not to say, it, getting certification isn't a direct marker as to whether or not someone is a great cybersecurity professional or know what they're doing, right? It just means someone was able to study hard enough to pass an exam. But I can say that it allowed me to get many opportunities that I I wasn't getting until until I had it. Security Plus was good, but it wasn't good enough to get where I wanted to be. So I knew getting that certification would open doors and it did. Um, and I don't, it, it was a lot and it's hard for many people. And I know a lot of people who are frustrated in terms of getting it or that you need the experience or that blah, blah, blah. I need five years in order for people to talk to me. Um, but that, that was just an unfortunate reality that I had to come with. And I'm like, okay, in the meantime, I'm going to just have to grit this out or figure out another way until I can get this certification. And then that's when things change. Again, that's just the route I wound up going. It's not for everybody, but I can tell you that my piece, my, my piece or my take on it was that that certification helped me. Unfortunately, a lot of jobs are asking for requiring certifications. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but like, like something has to give in terms of, especially because certifications are so much money. I remember saying before, Security Plus is what, $350 now? I think when I took it, it was only 100, 175 or something. The fact that it 
went up that much. And then, you know, we have so many people who are trying to get into the industry that blocks and hinders a lot of people from being able to access that. So I don't know. Again, I don't want to deep dive into like, (laughs) again, the complexities or like the gatekeeping that happens, but it does, it does feel like that. I don't even know if gatekeeping is the right word, but anyway. Um, so my biggest advice when it comes to common steps and pathways, again, I just gave you an example of the pathway that I've taken, but really it's about doing your research on the types of roles that are available, like the ones I listed previously, or there's auditing roles, there's writing roles, there's so many things you can do in this industry. You are not limited to just being technical. You can be a lot of these soft or human skills that um, you get from other roles can definitely apply. Like I did a forum recently, a woman in cybersecurity panel. And I was, one of the questions I asked was, where do you see cybersecurity in 10 years? What skill set do you think people need? And we all agreed going forward in the future is not just about being technical because we're building technology that's essentially going to be doing its own thing. What we need now are people who are able to speak to the business, who are able to correlate a lot of this technical and, um, Uh, business um, things together and who are able to really have communication skills. Like communication to me is number one in this field because a lot of people, sure, they can be hands on keyboard. They can build up and spin up whatever you want. But if you ask them to explain or ask them to say, how does this correlate to my bottom line? They draw a blank. So communication, business skills, get up on that. Second, once you found a role or roles that you are interested in, assess the skill set they're asking for, do a comparison. Is there anything you're missing? Anything you can improve upon? If so, there's your next study goal. And then number three, don't go certification crazy unless you got the time and money to do so. Align your certification strategy with the roles you're wishing to get and go from there. And it doesn't make sense to go like for your CEH, for example, if you're trying to get into risk and compliance. And don't go for certifications just because it's popular. Go for them because it makes sense for your career goals. So now that you know a little bit more about the types of cybersecurity roles, skills, pathways, XYZ, you can take to get into the field. Let's talk about resources. The following are study guides, uh, resources, uh, community groups that I have personally either used um, or are part of that have helped me develop my current skill set and get me where I am. So first, there are websites out there where you can go through courses to either learn about a certification or a specific topic. There are websites like Udemy, Udacity, Um, Linux Academy, Coursera, LinkedIn Learning, Code Academy, um, Learn Python the Hard Way. What else have I used? (laughs) Um, Google, right? Google is like actually the number one out there. Um, Vendor websites. um, There's, uh, whatchamacallit, YouTube Academy is out there now. And what I mean by vendor websites is that like, Sometimes I'll read the blogs and white papers of vendors that I'm learning about. So, for example, I specialize in cloud security. So I would read the security white papers for many of the cloud providers and vendors to learn more about their products, their use cases, X, Y, Z. All of these are really, really great resources to get started in learning. I know there's a ton more out there, but those are the ones that I most commonly use. Um, 
And you can like, again, Google and check a whole bunch of others. Um, and then we have community groups. Networking in this industry will take you so, so very far. Since since I've been more active in the community, um, especially the Twitter security community, I have been able to not only meet some pretty awesome people who I like call my friends now, but also I've been able to apply and I won scholarships, some grants, some conference passes, certifications, like you name it. And not networking at this point will do you a huge disservice. It really is, unfortunately, about who you know. It's just, I don't know, you got to play the game until until you can get where you are and you got to play it no more, right? So uh, you don't need to be on there 24-7 because I do think people need to disconnect. But I do encourage you to partake when you have the energy. If you are new and you just don't know, again, where to get started, just create an account, like a LinkedIn account, at least a Twitter account. Those are the only two accounts I use. And then from there, like if you find me and add me, um, Dominique West on LinkedIn or at Dominique on Twitter, and you're like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I'm trying to network. Do you know what I can do? I'll give you a boost and a shout out. There's plenty of things like Tanya Janka. She's, I think she hacked purple or we hack purple on um, Twitter. She does every Monday a cyber mentoring where she asks people who are willing to mentor and who need mentorship. Like there's plenty of avenues and people out here who want to help, but you have to go out there and ask for it. Like you just have to. So some really great communities that I suggest are the Women's Society of Cyber Jutsu, of course, <laughs> which is a nonprofit aimed at empowering women in cybersecurity. I talk about them all the time because I am the Atlanta chapter lead. I love this organization. Shout out to WSC. Um, there's WESIS and WOSEC, um, Women in Security, and then WISP, which is Women in Security and Privacy. They're all super good nonprofit women in cybersecurity groups that I either have been a part of, have received something for, or know people in like wisp is one who gave me a grant last year to go to defcon they paid for my defcon ticket because defcon tickets are a little price not a little pricey they're all pricey <laughs> so they granted i think it was like 50 of us or a little bit over 50 of us tickets to go to defcon which was super cool and i i found it from twitter like they had a con not a contest but like a giveaway on twitter i entered boom i was able to get one so that's a really great, those are really great resources. There are DEF CON groups, which are started after the huge cybersecurity conference that I was just talking about. They have local, local chapters in many cities around the world. There's Black and Cybersecurity, a group specifically for those in the Black community. There are OWASP groups there, you know, that's dedicated to application security. What else? I feel like I'm missing some people or missing somebody. I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel bad if I don't shout them out. <laughs> Dang, I don't know. I'm drawing the blank. But those are the, some of the communities that I've either again participated in, or currently participated in, or I know people who are amazing who are in them. It's just about there's there's plenty of groups out there. It's just a matter of like figuring out which one fits best for your needs. Overall. For the most part, you can't go wrong with who you pick because, again, to me, the ones that I've named, at least, I know the people who are in them or I'm in them and they are pretty awesome. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit more about cybersecurity roles in the industry and you got some tips or at least you got the conversation started. I hope you can incorporate something into your own career. 
happy national cybersecurity career awareness week yeah okay mouthful (laughs) thanks for tuning in and i will see you next time bye thanks for listening to another episode please consider leaving a rating or comment in apple Podcasts. and for more information go to our website at www.securityincolor.com be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.